grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Also with you. Uh, let us pray. O oh God, you gave your only Son to suffer death on the cross for our redemption. And by his glorious resurrection, you delivered us from the power of death. Make us die every day to sin, that we may live with him forever in the joy of the resurrection. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let's sing our next hymn, number 143 in the Green Hymnal.
may be seated at this time. I invite the little Lutherans and big Lutherans <laughs> to come forward. I'm a little Lutheran. <laughs> All right. Look at that beautiful view. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good morning. All right, now I have a question. Do you ever feel worried? Yeah. What kinds of things do you guys worry about? School? Worrying about doing something hard. Doing something hard? Yeah. Sometimes babies worry where their mommies are. Yeah. So, um... I wanted to talk about, um, you know, there are lots of things that we worry about, right? Some, some are big worries, some are little worries. And um, you think grown-ups get worried too? Sometimes, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this day, today, what's today? Easter, Easter Sunday. Um, on this day, I wanted to talk about one thing that we never have to worry about, okay? And this is probably the most important thing that we learn in church, so I wanted to talk about it on the most important day that we have in church, right? Because Easter's the most important day, okay? So, the most important thing that God wants us to know when we come to church is that we never have to worry whether God loves us or not, okay? God loves us, and part of what happened at Easter is letting us know that we never have to worry about that again, Okay, because Jesus, as a grown-up, he had things he worried about, too. Um, actually, you know, he was worried, um, especially right before he died. Because we read that in the Bible, that he even prayed. that He said, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this. But then what happened? After he died, what happened? He rose again, and that's what we celebrate today, right? He was alive again. Yep. And, um, and part of that was to show us that God always loves us and always wants to be with us. And it's important for us to talk about that in church and remind ourselves, because that, as I said, is the most important thing. And in fact, that was what Jesus spent most of his life, his adult life, preaching about and telling people. And that's what he got in trouble most for. And that's actually why, one of the big reasons why he was killed. But then, you know, after he rose again, did he, did he die again? He died once and came back to life. Did he ever die again? No. No. No, he's still alive from then, and he will live forever. And God loves us and wants to be with us forever. So that is one thing that we never have to worry about. Never have to worry about whether God loves you or God loves your friends or God loves the people in your family or whether God wants to be with us forever. We know know that that is true. Okay? All right, so let's end with a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for showing us how much you love us. Thank you for being with us when we do worry about little things, about small things. But thank you for showing us that you love us so much and that you want to be with us now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first lesson is from Acts chapter 10. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. 
That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all of the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The psalm is Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. God's mercy endures forever. Let Israel not declare, God's mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he became and has become my salvation. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. I shall not die for the and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord indeed punished me sorely, but did not hand me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter them. Give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Here the righteous may enter. Give thanks to The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ, but each in the proper order. Christ the first fruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when Christ hands over the dominion to God, the Father, after destroying every ruler and every authority and power. For Christ must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please rise. Today's gospel is from the gospel of St. Luke, chapter 24, starting at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, 
Mary, the mother of James, and all the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Jesus got up, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by, its, by themselves, and then he went home, amazed at what had happened. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful that we can once again gather in your house as one. Allow us, Lord, as always, to continue to worship you, to praise you in this space and in our lives. But on this auspicious morning, on this morning of all mornings, may we be transformed and renewed according to your son's resurrection, who is also, through his death and resurrection, transformed and renewed. Allow us to take on new possibilities, new thinking, and allow the message that is sent forth to us at this time be one of healing, one of encouragement, and one of strength so that we can live according to your will. In your name we pray. Amen. So my first uh, Easter um, it was 1984. I was eight years old. And we got up at 4.30 in the morning. And I thought these Americans were nuts. I was six months new in the United States. I had uh, no idea what Easter was all about, even though I had been raised by some nuns in the orphanage, in the first orphanage, but it was all new to me. So got up at 4.30 in the morning, drove in the pitch darkness of Minneapolis, got to our church, and in hushed voice, we had to walk down and feel our way down to the fourth pew from the front. We're, like I said earlier, we're not um, regular Lutherans. We sat up in the front, you know? And uh, so my family and my dad was very scandalous every Easter morning because he always brought a trucker's mug of coffee, you know? And you can't drink coffee in the sanctuary. You know that, right? And my mom was utterly scandalized by this. And so, she, so when we found our pew, my mom sat at the opposite end with my dad sitting on the aisle side. My dad sat on the other, and all of us kids sat in the middle. And I'm just thinking, crazy, how dumb, how crazy, how nuts that you would get up at 4.30 in the morning just to sit in the utter darkness of a cold sanctuary. And at this point, I was kind of in a low point in my new life in the United States. I had, um, tr I'd been trying to acclimate to the new culture, to the new reality of my life. I was, um, for the first eight years of my life, I was raised Vietnamese, but I didn't look Vietnamese. And now, I am becoming American, but I didn't speak American. I didn't obviously know how to speak English, but I didn't even know the right syntax or the right you know, uh, colloquialism to sound like I was a child of the United States. So I was struggling making friends, making sense of everything around me, and quite frankly, it was quite frustrating, and I was really annoyed. And then my inquisitiveness of my life was always getting me grounded, and so probably that day I was grounded somehow, because I kept taking things apart. I took my parents' stereo apart. I took um, every toy they ever gave me apart. I mean, there was one room where if you walked in it, you probably felt something that didn't belong there. And so my whole first six months was just trying to find my way through 
a cultural darkness. And I think of that on most Easter, because every Easter morning I get up now and it's in some sort of darkness. I walk, if it's over at St. John's or somewhere, over to the church. And I'm there in the, we get there and it's dark still at that hour usually, if it's really early uh, Easter. And there I try to make sense of why we still get up in the middle of the morning, early morning hours in the darkness. And I walk there and, and I think it's so fitting that we should start Easter in the utter darkness because isn't that how we left Christmas? And really Easter without Christmas is not Easter. Christmas had to happen and we always worship in the dark. We leave in the dark but we don't leave it in the dark. We leave it in the dark knowing that the light of the world has come. And once again, we come knowing that in that darkness, the light of the world is reemerging on that Easter morning. But I think it's fascinating when you look at the Easter story in all the Gospels, the first people that Jesus see are women. I'm just struck by how amazing that is. And it makes me reflect back to Luke 4. So today's gospel text is at the end of Luke. And when you read the beginning of Luke, you get to chapter 2, and Mother Mary is there. Do you remember Mother Mary? She sang this beautiful song. I've never seen a woman sing beautiful songs when she finds out she's pregnant. But Mary does, apparently. And she sings this beautiful song. Now we call it the Magnificat, where it starts out with, My Lord magnifies the Lord, or my... Uh, I magnify my soul, thank you. My soul magnifies the Lord and my uh, spirit rejoices in you. It's beautiful language, especially when you read it in the uh, original Latin and in, in the King James Version. It's beautiful language. But anyway, there, after she magnifies the Lord, she talks about what this child is going to do. And she says, the child is going to raise up the lowly, bring down the proud, and make straight the road of life. And then we don't hear from her, uh, we don't hear about that again until after be Jesus begins his ministry. He's baptized, he is uh, tempted by the devil, he goes and um, he um, starts his ministry, he calls his disciples, he's now an established 30-some-year-old young guy, you know, fresh out of seminary, he thinks he knows what he's doing. I've been there, right? The difference, he knows what he's doing, yeah, and... Um, he goes and he's invited by his home synagogue. I've never been invited by my own home church, mostly because I've never been near it since I've been in ministry. But he's invited by his home synagogue to come in to preach, and he preaches. And guess what he preaches? He preaches pretty much. He stole his mom's song. And he says, I have come to bring good news to the poor, to bring up the lowly and bring down the proud and make straight the road that is, you know, crooked. And that, along with his mom, he is quoting from Isaiah. And that's the role of the Messiah that we come to understand. And what's fascinating about that is that Jesus spends the rest of his ministry doing exactly that. Who does he eat with? The lowly. Who does he heal? The lowly. Who ends up crucifying him? But the proud, the powerful, the mighty. Those who are most threatened by Jesus are the ones who have devoted all their lives to material things of this world and are most threatened. And so they are the ones that bring Jesus down. But then it doesn't end there because when Jesus resurrects in the dark of the early morning hours, who does he see? He sees 
he sees women. And women in those days were some of the, were considered the lowliest of the low, along with the shepherds and the fishermen. Gee, that's who Jesus hung, hung out with. The fishermen, because they just stank. And they were uneducated. And the shepherds is because they also stank, and they were uneducated, and they lived with their sheep. They talked to their sheep. How many of you talk to your animals? Well, I do, to my dogs. Do you talk to your cows too? Yeah, yeah. But for them, Jesus hung out with the lowliest of the poor and the most ridiculous people in society. He always hung out with the people of the lowest status in, in the culture. And so it shouldn't surprise us that on Easter morning, he doesn't even talk to his disciples, but why should he? They abandoned him. They denied him. You know, but that's not, he, that's not really the point. For him, he goes to amongst the lowliest people, even lower than the disciples, the women. He goes and sees the women first. And when you read the Gospels, they, all the Gospels have Jesus talking to Mary Magdalene in one, talking to Mary and the other Mary, and then the, in Luke, he's talking to a group of women. He sees them first. And it should be that way, because what we realize is that, especially with Mary Magdalene, what we've learned since is that Mary was, in my, the best way I could put it, is that she was the altar guild of his ministry. She was the one that did everything behind the scene to help him in every way, shape, and form. The disciples did too, but she was pretty much the organizer of it all. Throughout history, the church, the proud, the established church, made her into a horrible person. They made her into a prostitute, into a rebel of some sort, into this uneducated, materialistic, and, um, and um, what's the word I'm trying to think, a manipulative uh, individual who, who was always trying to take advantage of Jesus, even though the Bible has nothing to say about it. They made it all up. But what, what has happened to Mary Magdalene is that she's been rehabilitating the last 50 years, and so has Salome and a couple other names, where they have become now not only saints, but they've become examples of how we as Christians ought to live, especially in the post-Easter world, where we live knowing that we still struggle with life, knowing that we still have all the frailties of humanity, but still hanging on still keeping faith, being fervent to the faith of our Lord. And the beautiful thing about Jesus meeting with, uh, with, uh, Jesus, uh, with the women was that these women were also at the lowest ebb in their life. They were at the lowest time, too. I can't imagine it was easy for women back then, right? I mean, they were abused, and they got nothing. There was no Me Too movement, okay? And they were only expected to be seen and provide in the home, and that was it. And so for Jesus to go to the lowest of the individuals is a way he's telling us that even though he's resurrected, he is with us. He is Emmanuel, as we sing at Christmas. He continues to be available. He continues to walk beside us. He engages us even in our lowest um, despair, in the depth of our humanity. God is there. He is there with us always. You know, one of the tragedy of the Christian faith, I mean the Western Christian faith, is that in 1054, the Christian faith was one large church. But in 1054, this one large church split into two churches. There was the Roman Catholic, and then there's the Eastern Church. 
the Eastern Church, most of you think of as the Greek Orthodox or the Russian Orthodox or the, or the Coptic churches or the, um, uh, there's many others. About half of the world's Christians are Roman and the other half Eastern. But the thing about the Western Church is that we have taken on this image of Jesus as this guy who stands alone and who conquers the grave alone. And in most paintings and in most art and songs that you sing, it's Jesus that does it all. But what's fascinating is that in the, in, 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 the, in the Eastern tradition, Jesus is one of a host of people that comes out of the tomb. They understand that Jesus, when he goes down to heaven, he is down there, not alone. He's down there freeing Adam and Eve. He's freeing all the people so that when he comes out, he is with a community of people. He is, he is not alone. And we get the sense that when they understand that when Jesus is in hell, he is not alone. He's down there. But he's not just hanging out and having tea down there. I wonder how that would taste, right? But he is rescuing. He is pulling Adam and Eve, which is a way of saying he's pulling humanity from the depth of hell. And he's pulling us. And it is a communal act of salvation. He, and together we walk out into the new life, into the post-resurrection life. And so for us, Easter, according to the Eastern church tradition, is not a one-man show, but it is a communal activity. It is an activity that invites all of us into this participatory understanding of salvation. And that when Christ conquers the grave, he doesn't do it alone. He is with us, walking beside us, and is always engaged with us. And that's the good news. And so I remember, in many ways, I look forward every Lenten season to Easter, at least growing up, because when we come to Easter, we walk into the darkened sanctuary, and it's a Gothic-like building, and we walk into that church, and right around 5.30, whenever the service starts, I would start to hear the roll, very faint, though, to start with, the roll of the bass drums, and then it starts to build, and then it builds. All of a sudden, I hear the snare drums starts to come in, and it starts to build, and it builds, and then all of a sudden, I hear, you know, footsteps. There are three people walking down the aisle with footsteps. I can't see them. It's all dark, but I can hear it. And then, the, and then the drums continue to get louder, and then the footsteps are getting louder. It's coming closer down to the front. Next thing you know, there's the crash of drum, drums. The lights come back on. I mean, come brightly. You're blinded for a moment, which imagines how those people must how those ladies must have saw, uh, been when they saw those angels sitting by the tomb. They must have been blinded by the brilliance of, that, of those angels, and so they must have been stunned, and that's how we are. We're stunned when the light comes on, and then the organ comes in, the band comes in, and the hundred and some people in the choir's voices birth forth, and it's Jesus Christ is risen today, and alleluia. Jesus is risen, Jesus is born, and next thing you know, we now live in a post-resurrection world where the words of Tony Campolo echoes in my mind where he says, we live in a Good Friday world, and Good Friday always has us down. It brings us to the depth of despair. It brings us to the point where we don't feel like we're part of humanity. We don't fit. We don't make sense at all, and we just want to give up. 
but then the anticipation keeps us going, and the next thing you know, Easter comes, Christ is living, he gives us a new reason to live, and we are blinded by his brilliance, but we are given new hope, given new life, and given a new form of living, a new transformation. We are transformed into Easter people because as Tony Campolo, the great evangelical preacher, says, we are Easter people. And so my friends, let Easter be a time of renewal. Let it be a time of new life. But it also let it be a time where you now come into a new understanding of what life is, that we are just like Mary Magdalene and the ladies, that we do deal in the depth of despair at times, and that God walks with us even in the depth of our lives, and that when we are there, down there in the muck of the darkness, God walks with us there. He meets us there regardless of where we are. Even if he had just resurrected, he'll meet us where we're at and guides us and walks us into the next light. And so, my friends, this is the good news of Easter, is that God may be transformed, may be resurrected, but he still is with us. He is still our Emmanuel. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, your gift is so amazing, it defies words. No prayers can, can be enough to describe the joy that we are given and the hope that we live in. There is nothing that we can say right now, Lord, so just take our gratitude and, and just give us the continued revelation of your presence in our lives daily, even when we are in such despair or when we are in the mountaintops of life. Allow us to see that the world can be a Good Friday world, but that it exists and is lived by people that live in the Easter promise. Lord, keep us ever faithful to you, ever mindful of that promise, and give us the energy, the commitment, the steadfastness to serve your people in this Easter day and in the days to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Trusting God's promise of a new life, we pray for the renewal of the church, the world, and all of creation. Alleluia. God, you are resurrection. Bring joy to your church as we spread the good news that Jesus is risen. Lead us to proclaim this message with persistence and confidence. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Alleluia. God, you are creator. Open our eyes to the first fruits of new life around us, to budding trees, nourishing rains, warm breezes, and freshly tilled soil. Inspire our gratitude and renew our commitment to stewardship of the earth. Hear us, O oh God, your mercy is great. Alleluia, God, you are reconciliation. You show no partiality among the nations, but instead call all people to the way of peace. Bring an end to conflict and division. Renew leaders and advocates for peace with a commitment to the common good. Hear us, O oh God, your mercy is great. Alleluia, God, you are strength. Awaken hope and perseverance in all who need to hear a word of life this day. Those who are hungry, anxious, oppressed, despairing, or sick, especially Herman, Bruce, Hulda, Christine, Sue, Ray, Roger, Wilbur, Linda, Randy, Ed, Kay, Edna, Thelma, Carl, and Carol. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Alleluia. God, you are life. We give you thanks for all the newly baptized, who by water and your word are forever joined to Christ's death and resurrection. Embolden all who share this baptized life and renew us in faith and in action. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Alleluia. God, you are comfort. Draw near to all who grieve. Refresh us with the promise that you will destroy death and that with all the saints we will be made alive forever in Christ. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We commend these and all our prayers to you, O God. Come near to us with your saving help. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
Suez. again, earth can breathe again, as the word around loaves abound. Christ is earth again, earth can breathe again, as the word around loaves abound. Christ is able to make us one, at the table he sets the tone, teaching people to live to bless, love in world and indeed express. Jesus lives again, earth can breathe again, as the word around loves abound. Jesus lives again, earth can breathe again, as the word around loves abound. Jesus calls us in, sends us out, bearing fruit in a world of doubt. Give us love to tell share, God Emmanuel everywhere. Jesus lives again. Let us pray together the offertory prayer. Risen one, as you broke bread with the disciples on the shore, meet us now in this meal. Nourish us to follow you, using the gifts to feed the hungry and tend the weary, all for your love's sake. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us now confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you and uphold us by your spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us and for his sake. 
God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast. Grace our table with your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. Come, Holy Spirit, with all your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. This is the gift of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be Please rest. Let us pray. Life-giving God, in the mystery of Christ's resurrection, you send light to conquer darkness, water to give new life, and the bread of life to nourish your people. Send us forth as witnesses to your Son's resurrection, that we may show your glory to all the world. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. And as you go on your way, remember on this auspicious, wonderful Easter morning that the blessing of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit surround and sustain you, keep you from harm, and fill you with courage. Amen. You are the body of Christ raised up for the world. Go in peace. Share the good news. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Our closing hymn, our closing hymn is number 377.
peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share that peace as we head into the mission world.